We're the Pragmatic Doulas. This is a podcast where we talk all about birth and other interesting things. Birth may be a goddess, but she doesn't want to be worshipped. She wants to be respected. She doesn't want incense. She wants common sense. Good morning, everybody. Hello. Hello. Good afternoon. Whatever time of day you're listening. Say hello, Carissa. You're allowed. Good morning. We have a guest. We have a guest. We have a fellow bookie. Not someone who takes bets, but someone who likes books. (laughs) (laughs) Love some books. A book lover. That's great. So today's our book club day. It is. So you are in for a treat. We have never done this before. I've never been to a book club in my life. Nor I. I'll tell you all about it. Um, so before we get started, I am going to read a short land acknowledgement. If everybody is ready uh-huh. to absorb that. Um, so right now, this land that we are on recording this podcast, the land that where we all live, the land where we raise our families and do our work, uh, is a traditional territory of many nations, including the Mississauga of the Credit the Anishinaabek, the Chippewa, the Haudenosaunee, and the Wendat peoples. And uh, this land is now home to many diverse First Nations, Inuit and Métis peoples. Thank you very much for lending an ear to that. All right. As she shoves more muffin into her face. I'm going to be eating a muffin. Everybody online hates that. Except for our listeners. (laughs) Because they too are eating a fucking muffin right now. Or I, I, our listeners just have like a deeper well of forgiveness for our <laughs> humanity. Don't even get me started on doulas and fucking forgiveness, okay? I'm not. Our doulas, though. You don't, doulas. You, don't find, you don't find doulas to be forgiving? Not some. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us how you really feel, Kim. <laughs> I won't. It just means that we're human. Hey. Haven't we always been pushing for people to look at doulas as like we're pragmatic? So sometimes you're a a raving bitch and sometimes you're like a warm-hearted goddess. That's just life. I am a raging bitch with the heart of a warm-hearted goddess. And every day you struggle to push those two things together. People can't, people can't look beyond the bitchy words and actually just see the words themselves and actually, you know, accept that I am only here for the greater good of others. Hmm. Well, all our listeners know, all the other, all, everybody else who doesn't listen to this podcast, too fucking bad. And they're out, they're out in the cold. Thank you. There's actually a meme that came through the other day that I thought really spoke to that. It was real, and I think you guys have probably all seen it too. Is it says, you know, I'm like 80 percent lo- uh, light and love, and 20 percent go fuck yourself. And it's like, <laughs> since COVID though, I'm probably a little more like 60 40. Yeah, that's okay. I can actually appreciate the sticker that's on my mug right now. What was it? I'm a fucking lady. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that conversation right now yep is Um, that your gold jug that was a carissa just held up a giant 
home is that like a homemade sticker on a giant jug of water my, with a my daughter actually bought me that sticker and uh, I couldn't find out where I wanted to figure out where I wanted to put it so I decided it belonged to my two gallon jug of water or two liter two liter jug of water that I drink every day or try to drink every day you're almost finished it's not even 10 30. Yeah. yeah I've been up for a while sweet Jesus <laughs> Wow. Maybe pissed them like a racehorse for the yep. <laughs> early afternoon. Yeah. That, my yeah, kid, my kidneys would be going, whoo, it's about time. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, how is everybody? I'm I'm clearly bitter and angry with a whole bunch of things. So we'll move on from me because it's <laughs> not, it's not worth getting into. <laughs> hey, you do not need to qualify bitter and angry. That just those words just stand on their own. Yep. I'm Excellent. sweaty. I went for a walk and it felt like it was beautiful out, but it's not beautiful out. It it's is heavy. It's yeah. humid. It's muggy out. It's, it's cool, but it's humid. Yes. Very thick. And how yeah. are you doing, Carissa, our guest? I'm very well, thank you. I'm doing pretty good. Yeah, it's, uh, the weather has been nice to have a bit of a break in the humidity, but yeah, I'm pretty good. My dog doesn't love it. But. What type of dog do you have? I have a Border Collie mix. She's a rescue that we got about five years ago. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Nice. We're all dog people now. <laughs> yeah. uh -huh. So why don't, you, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Who are you? What are you doing here? Right. So I am a fairly new doula. I've been, this is my third summer, as I like to say. It's my third year as a doula. Yeah. Um, I was in the corporate world for a long time doing different things, and I worked in the medical field and decided that I wanted to become a doula. Excellent. Um, so yeah, I, I own Baby Moon Doula Solutions. Excellent. Do you want to shout out your social media if you have it for people to follow? Do it. Yep. Fuck yourself. Baby Moon Doula Solutions at, um, on Instagram and obviously my website. And yeah. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. And I have one more question. What made you decide to become a doula? What, what said, I got to leave this business corporate shit behind and go get I, I got to leave this steady paycheck to throw myself <laughs> into a world of insecure financial chaos. <laughs> it's a you know, I really questioned that in the last little while, but I don't miss what I was doing before. I think I was turning 50, I was 48 and I really did, or 40, 49, I really didn't want to go into my fifties doing a job that I fucking hated. I hated working in an office. I felt like nothing I was doing was of any use to anybody. And I had toyed with being a doula over the years and just felt like the right time. So um, I literally dove in. I registered for my course. I was done in six months. I was working within the first couple of weeks of deciding to do this. And I quit my job about two months after I started my course. Wow. So yeah, I, I never really looked back. I'm so glad that I did it. Um, but yeah, I was, I think I just wanted something that was a little bit more meaningful in my life. I, I, there was someone who had mentioned to me years ago, what was the one part of your life that you loved the most? And I loved being a mom of my young children. I was a single mom and, um, that was my happiest time, even though it was hectic and crazy and all that stuff. But I loved having babies around and yeah, that was sort of my thought. Yeah. Me too. I was a single mom. I've been a single mom for the vast majority of my parenting life. I was only married for 10 years. Yeah. Um, and uh, that, that is when I look back over my long, long life, 
I'm like a hundred years old. <laughs> you are through, through the decades of my life. <laughs> 25 years ago. It was very simple and I was really good at it. Yes. Now I don't know what the hell I'm doing. <laughs> I was good at it, but I loved it. Yeah. That's yeah. like it, with this whole COVID thing, it's like there's like as crazy as it is, it's like being a mom, it's like I know. I know what to do. I know how to take care of you guys. I know how to make things right. I know how to mm -hmm. make things safe. I always tell my kids, look, it doesn't matter what it is. I can fix it. Okay. And if I can't fix it, I will do my best to make it better. So that to me feels like as a mom makes me feel like a massive accomplishment and being a doula, isn't that really kind of what we do is we're not there to fix birth, but we're there to make it better right? For, for the birthing parent. So that's, I mean, that's kind of why I really loved doing this job. Um, it's also kind of why I don't love doing it so much anymore, but um, it's also the physical toll. So but we talked about that last week. Um, cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Excellent. Well, I'm one of the dentists later. <laughs> my hillbilly look at my so are I you gonna finally get that fixed <laughs> hillbilly doula <laughs> you've had that for what like a year no 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 it happened the, the night before i went to my son's wedding uh, right before i left for the philippines it happened in january um so i couldn't do anything about it then i figured okay i'll do it when i get back hemmed and hot about it for about a month after i got back and then bam locked down no i'm not going to the dentist yeah. But now I'm going to go. I'm going to wear slippers and a mask. And I'm going to get my fever, my temperature taken and fill out forms. Swear on the Bible that I haven't left the country in the last six weeks or whatever. And um, get, it, get it fixed. Yeah. I got a cap that fell off. So. Julio. Yes. I, I hate the dentist with a passion. Passion. So do I. Yep. Do you? Yeah. You know what my doctor's, my dentist's name is? She has the... the prettiest silliest name her name is peony her first name is peony like the flower and her last name is ping isn't that cute and she's the sweetest sweetest dentist ever yeah wow, which is wow. good because i hate her profession but she's very <laughs> she's very nice <laughs> i could yeah no i hate her all right. Sorry if any sorry if any dentists are listening right now, but you chose this profession and you know damn well nobody likes you. You know, there's support groups for dentists who for who they have one of the highest suicide rates, actually. Really? Yes. Yeah. They have a massively high Yes. Oh, now I feel bad. <laughs> no, I never like, knew that. Tough to do that job. I mean, they're nicely compensated, I think. Yeah. I don't uh, like my dentist either. He's a dick. Yeah. Like I will, that is one thing I cannot do. I cannot, I have to like my dentist as a person mm -hmm. because I hate dentistry so much. Yeah. It's not the people necessarily. It's the profession. Yeah. yeah. Not the like professional. If you're a, if your dentist is a dick, he's never going to see me. Well, my, my one dent, the one, the last dentist, he, so I had uh, I needed a root canal. Oh Jesus! And I had a I had a cap on that root already, so 
what he did was, is he pulled it out and he pulled the whole tooth out. And then came the discussion about how much it was going to cost. And it was like going to be, and we didn't have, uh, was I on mat leave, I think at the time, or I had just left my job and I wasn't going to be going back. So I had no coverage and teacher benefits were the worst. So I was like, well, fuck it. I can't afford to get the implant put in because we don't have the money for that. So I just never went back and I have nice little gap. So when you, my hillbilly, big, big smile. So do I. I've got a gap back here. My hillbilly gap is further back in my mouth. (laughs) Well, I had a cap on this tooth. This is, it only grew in sort of halfway. Ah. I was a kid and when I was 17, I had a cap put on it. And it's well, it lasted, lasted a really long time. Fucking can't complain about that longevity. No way. So 17, and now it just fell out when I'm 53. Like, oh. I don't remember what I was eating. Something crunchy. <laughs> Those damn Werther's caramels. Yeah. yeah. I was just like munching away. I'm, I'm stress, stress eating about the trip the next day. People, somebody's going to forget their passport. And damn and, peanut brittle. Yep. And it, 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 so, so, yeah. Stop eating. You got to start eating old people food. Soft puree, everything. Mush. So, all right. So, how does this work? <laughs> okay. So, since doing? I'm the, did you say yes? You've been, you, you've been to book clubs, Carissa. Did you say that or no? I or have not. Been? Like I have, but there was always consisted of drinking and eating and never really talking about the book. Yeah. Which is, which is the, the, I thought uh, that's what book club was. Not our book club. Uh, but yeah, that's it. Our we have no behavior, but Suzanne does. I have, <laughs> I have behavior. I've been a member of two book clubs. Um, my current book club is sort of a family book club. We do have friends in there, but I have a big extended family, lots of cousins who are my age. And so we started a book club. As a matter of fact, here we are. If you want, you can, you, you can use this like, beautiful. It's a, on our 10th anniversary. We made a book about our book club that's very cool isn't it and that's so that's all of us on the cover and inside are all the book covers for all the books that we've covered in the last 10 years really really impressive that's really really impressive and awesome we had a photo shoot one of the books that we did i think it was called i can't remember but there was a, a book about names and so we everybody looked up the meaning of their name and then we sort of posed according to what your name meant right so like there's denise and her name uh is like the is is the female form for dionysus the goddess of the god of wine so there she is with a glass of wine and my stupid name means graceful lily so that's me being stupid graceful i hate it so much (laughs) but but yeah this is so awesome and then everybody got a copy of this on our 10th anniversary so we are serious book clubbers okay wow we meet every other month because once a month is too much and um we do we we've just started this year we're we're doing themes like survival coming of age family saga whatever that kind of thing for the books that we're doing so i'm i'm an old hand at this so i'm going to sort of run this the way that we run our our book club with a few modifications 
So the first modification that I would like to do is for us to do like a summary of the story, which we don't do in my in-person book club because everybody's read it. Our audience might not have read this book. So, I mean, do we want to give spoilers? So I don't know this part. Do we want? I don't think we should give spoilers in case okay. people haven't actually read it. Right, because we want them to go ahead and read it. Or do we want people to just listen and enjoy our thoughts about this book? In which case we do give spoilers. Mm. Well, yeah, because then people will, you know, it's like kind of someone saying this is great and here's what the basis of it is. Or even the only reason my kids wanted to go voluntarily read Harry Potter by themselves was because we talked about me reading it to Xander when he was little. Everyone knows what happens with it. Everyone's seen the movie, but they still decided to go back and read the book, even though they knew what happened. So it's, I think it's just kind of inspires you to go make your own take on it. It is. And honestly, I don't think there's anything massive. Well, I mean, there's a couple massive spoilers, I suppose. I, I, I think, you could say spoiler alert, and then they can jump yeah, ahead. Yeah, I, I think that... It's also possible for us to have a discussion about a book without there being spoilers. Well, especially so this one. Yeah, we're telling people there's going to be spoilers. So if you haven't read the book already, read it anyways, because it's still good. We can't give you all the details, but, um, but there are going to be spoilers. So who would like to give a synopsis of the plot of the book? Let's see. How about you, Kim, because you've read it twice. I have read it and twice. We can all kind of jump in. Okay. Uh, when we feel like maybe you've missed an important thing or whatever. All right. So, so tell us about setting characters and basic storyline. Well, I mean, here's <laughs> just the title alone can give you a bunch of information. It's called The Midwife of Venice by Roberta Rich. And it's about a Jewish midwife uh, in 16... 15. 15 something. What is 1575. it? 1575. Uh, and by the way... My book is signed by the author. Oh, how did you do that? They, were, they must have had her at the chapters where I bought it. Okay. <laughs> Never met her. <laughs> was, oh, okay. It, it was, was pre-signed. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, that's not as impressive as it sounds. Um, so she's a midwife in Venice, a Jewish midwife in Venice, and is called to a Christian family, a Catholic family, um, outside the ghetto to uh, help deliver this baby. This woman had been in labor for like three days or something like that, and the baby was not coming. And it, there, she has a reputation of being able to deliver difficult babies, this midwife, because she has her birthing spoons, uh, which in, in and of itself sounds exactly what they are. They're a set of forceps. Um, that she's had, which I found, I found crazy that she's had, she had them blessed by the rabbi and approved and whatnot for work in the, her, the community where she lives. Um, so anyways, whatever, that's, a, that's an aside. Um, she delivers this baby healthy and safely. Um, there's a lot of sort of tension that's there because this particular baby means that that particular very rich family can keep their money and their land and not have it sort of broken up for the brothers that are trying to take the get get the money because they're a gambler and one is just very ambitious and um and then then she gets pulled ensues. into a bunch of their bullshit 
Yeah. Because she, she attended the, the family. Yeah. So she goes, she leaves a amulet with the family to protect the baby. Um, and then a month later, 40 days or something co later comes back um, to get the amulet and get her birthing spoons, which she happened to accidentally leave there or lost or were stolen from her. I don't understand that part. Can't remember they that. Were they weren't they were there taken. when she, yeah, when yeah. she was leaving, so they weren't there. Yeah. Um, and then she's sort of blackmailed by one of the brothers um, with this, but then she, I'm not good at this part. Um, <clears throat> but then she actually gets them back. Um, she kind of tricks him into yeah. getting them back. She, she re-extorts she re him, like she turns it around and then she gets them back. Yeah, okay. And then, then it turns out that the, the parents of the baby are going off to see her father uh, travel to her father because he's sick, I think. Um, and then uh, she finds out that on the night that they leave, she goes to go see the baby, but it turns out the baby's been kidnapped. Spoiler alert. Um, and <laughs> um, that one of the brothers has taken the baby to kill the baby and frame the Jewish community for it. <clears throat> yeah she's very brave because she, she is brother yes and and saves the baby um and that's when sort of again another twist she has to go hide out at her sister's house who has converted to christianity from being jewish because of the man that she married who ended up leaving her is that right ended up leaving her and then she ends up becoming does she is oh i think so no. yeah but is it is it it's not but she's like it's not like she's standing out on the street corner or anything she becomes no, a very like a courtesan and high class high yeah class yeah export kind of what i guess we call it today yeah, yeah. so she she ends up, she hides out there the other brother finds her and tries to take the baby but they do some like makeup stuff where it looks like they have the plague because the plague has hit Venice at this point. And mm -hmm. literally how much time is happening? Like we're talking like a matter of, so there's the birth 40 days and then all of this other shit happens within what, like three days. Yes. It's yeah. crazy. Mm -hmm. um, Yet she perseveres. She just keeps she coming. Keeps going. But why does she keep going? Why does she choose to involve herself? she has she has this affinity for this baby like just crazy it's also, it's also about the money to get to, back to her husband oh right yeah i forgot about that part i wasn't very fond of that part does anybody oh, want to take over because yeah. i'm not very good at that to the next part yeah so there, maybe there, somebody else can take has, over there's like a there's a, a, a parallel two stories story. yeah yes one chapter deals with hannah the midwife story and then the other chapter deals with Isaac who's her husband and has been taken into slavery in Malta so her, her her big objective is to take the money the ducats that I guess that's 200 ducats 200 ducats Venetian money and and sail to Malta to uh buy her husband's freedom back so that's a every, lot of every, money that's a lot of money in those days so every other chapter we hear about what Isaac is going through 
in Malta as he's trying to uh, squirm his way out of slavery and make his way back to Venice to reunite with Hannah. So that's a whole other uh, exciting for some of us and maybe not so exciting for some of us. Um, so, so that's, and then eventually, you know, it all comes together. Hannah saves the baby and she manages to make it to Malta. And that's the, that's the basic plot of it. But the, there's a lot of intrigue and twists and turns and a lot of atmosphere and settings. If you imagine what Venice in the 1600s would look like, I mean, the 1500s would look like, <clears throat> then you can imagine um, the danger. There was strict segregation between the Jewish community and the rest of the the citizens of Venice and it, that is what scared me the most that she was completely stepping out of bounds yeah. mm -hmm. even at the beginning of the book when they're describing her room and what it yeah. was looked like and how cold it was or how what the windows were whatever just the description of the room was pretty cool everything seemed we forget 1500s like I can't we can't even imagine what 1500s but the author did a great job of sort of bringing that to life I really like that yeah. So the next thing that uh, we normally, well, the first thing that we normally do in book club is we go around and everybody gives the book a rating between mm -hmm. one and 10. Okay. And you get a very brief explanation as to why you hated it and you gave it a four or why you love it and you gave it a nine. <laughs> so we can, let's start with Stephanie. Stephanie, what's your rating for this book? I would give this book a, a solid eight to nine. It had everything that I like in complicated characters, in people who were listening to how she undid her own sense of faith as a Jewish woman, um, how she felt like she was betraying her rabbi but still being true to being a Jewish woman, and all of the you know intensity involved in making those decisions, um, the the commitment to one another despite the fact that her husband fucked off without her permission. Like, and yet they were still, like, they had that big fight before they left, and, and yet their commitment to each other was still there. And then even, even Isaac, his, you know, ability to try and figure out how to keep to his faith, keep to his value system, while in a place that was so aggressively against his value system. So I, I love people who kind of are, are complicated, who are not black and white, who are not um, simple in character. So that held absolutely everything for me. I Okay, now here's something a little bit, maybe that maybe not, not everyone loves, but it had a very calm, pleasant ending. And I kind of like a bit more of a complicated ending still. So, and that's why it went from like a, a 10 down to an eight. If there had been something maybe a bit tragic at the end, but it was a very- A little death, ending. a little blood. Something like that. Something that still complicated it moving out of the story. Mm -hmm. okay so you what did you give it seven and a half then eight 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 a solid eight okay solid eight carissa i hadn't thought about a rating but i think i would probably give it an eight to a nine i hadn't read a book like this in a long time so i didn't think i was going to like the book first of all i thought there's no way i'm gonna get through it um but then i couldn't put it down i love that she is a hero or a heroine um, I love that. I didn't love the way it ended uh, either because it, it seemed just too cliche. And 
oh, happy ending. You know, I, I, we don't want to do a spoiler alert necessarily how it ends, but, um, but I felt the book was hard to put down. I really liked her twists and turns. I liked the relationship with her sister um, and how she just sort of dodged every opportunity for things to fall, falter, even, you know, that boat ride. Like, can you even imagine the boat ride that she was on for months to get to her, her husband, which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah, so I would, I would give it a, an eight or a nine, eight and a half then. Yeah. yeah. Excellent, good. Kim. Um, I'm gonna go with a seven, maybe. Um, I also did not like the ending. I felt like the last couple of chapters and whatnot, it almost felt like the story was going on and then it was like, oh, I gotta end this book. Uh, let's just, let's just do this. Mm -hmm. Like it, it just felt like it didn't flow like the rest of the book. It's mm -hmm. like suddenly it was over and you're going, that's it. That's how, you know, yeah. they just, yeah, no. Um, I, so when I read it the first time, I loved it. I mean, I thought it was so great. It was so awesome. This time I read it and my life has significantly changed um, since the last time I read it. My perspectives have changed and things like that. Um, I could have cared less about her husband, to be quite honest. I was reading those chapters were, I was like, okay, is this chapter ending soon? Because I just want to read about her. I don't yeah. care about him whatsoever. Yeah. Um, I thought there was there was too much of him, <laughs> not enough of her. And with him, it was like every goddamn fucking thing the same time, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, I don't understand why this is, why we even care about this part. But that was kind of my perspective. I did love, I would have liked to have seen more of her sister, her, the relationship with her sister. I would have liked to have seen that last a little bit longer yeah. um, and less of the husband. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it was almost like, it was almost like as it was being written, it was like, okay, well, I can't deal with these characters anymore. So let's just kill them. Like <laughs> nobody, nobody just kind of like faded off into the distance. It was like, okay, well, we're done with this one now. You're dead. Right. Yeah, yeah. And dying, dying. Yeah. Yeah. So it was like, oh, I yeah, like that. how they die. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm reading the one and I'm liking, I'm going, wait a minute, what the hell did I just read? Are she dead? What the fuck? Yes, yes, yes. What? That's dumb. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and at that point, I like put the book down and go, oh, forget it. I already yeah. read it. Who cares? Um, but then, of course, I don't do that. I once I start a book, I have to finish it, regardless of how much it's killing me. Oh, I, I won't. Me neither. Um, nope. it's my, I give it halfway. Yeah, and that's it. No, my uh, the only time I'll stop is if it's like if I'm like only a couple chapters in and it's really just shit. Um, mm -hmm. Then I'm going to put it down. Mm -hmm. But if I'm like halfway through, if I've read a significant amount, it's like. I can't not. My mother instilled that in me. She does the same thing. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I'll, I'll go with seven. Nice. How about okay. you, Sue? I am also going to give it a solid seven. Mainly because I adore historical fiction. And I loved the setting. The darkness of the... And the intrigue. And the sort of romantic feel of... Uh, Venice in the 1500s. So 
that's why I gave it a seven. I too felt like the ending um, was, it's almost like Roberta Rich got a letter from her editor saying, hello, you, we need this thing done in three days. So, and she's like, oh shit, I got to wrap it up. So she went, she sat down and she quick, quick wrapped it up. And that's that and presented it all um, exactly like that. So yeah, I didn't like, like he's, he's going off to, to rescue this boy. And that could have been like, yeah, we're going to keep you. You did a really good thing. You know, we're going to take you to, you know, wherever you need to go. But it was like, you rescued this boy. You're dead. Jump in the water. Oh, there's your wife. Like, what the f- How the yeah. hell? How did we get from there to here in two pages? Into, she sailed across the whatever sea to where her husband was, and he just happened to be standing like, she stepped off the boat. There yeah. he was. End of story. She yeah, didn't have to After all that, that, up and down and twists and plots and turns and whatever... So anyways, that, that's, that was one reason I gave it a seven. I also had read a review of, and I don't like reading reviews of books bef- um, at all because I don't like when other people's ideas influence me. But I did anyways in trying to figure out how we were, what kind of questions we were going to look at today. And one person said, I found her writing and the, the storyline to be very, very simplistic, almost childlike. And... I said, what? No, that's not true. But again, here, because I'm easily influenced, (laughs) I absolutely got what they were saying. For instance, for instance, why did she insist on going back? No, first of all, these people, the the Christian people who had the baby, what was her name? Letitia, Larisha, whatever, and her husband, the, 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 the Conti and the Contess. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> Sorry. He they had lost so many babies suspiciously. And the uh his fortune was dependent on him producing a male heir by the time he turned fifty. And he was about to turn fifty in like a week. And then he had these two shady, sketchy, good for nothing brothers on the side. And you know all this and you live in this in this uh society where nepotism and infanticide and family all of that is normal yet you're gonna go away you're gonna go away on a trip and leave your baby and leave the newborn that you that that you so yearned for and who is so hard come by you're gonna leave them with with this sketchy nurse and your two brothers roaming around and leave them that's one thing and then two why would hannah insist as the people are, as the parents are leaving, oh, I need to go and see him one more time. That just felt like, like again, Roberta Rich didn't have a way to weave that piece in there. And because that doesn't make sense that she would go back into these people, this, this palatial home after the owners have left to just go see the baby one last time. And she was in a threatening situation. She was threatened by the brothers at that point, right? Yes. So that didn't even make sense. And the fact that they would have kidnapped the baby, like, as the parents are leaving, they didn't even wait. They didn't wait until they sailed off down the canal and waited till the next day and then did what... It was like they were standing at the window and as soon as the people stepped into the boat, into the gondola, they, they went into the nursery and took the baby away because the baby was gone by the time she walked upstairs. Yes. So that was a little, um, 
that felt a little uh Rush. great yeah and and the fact that isaac kept a bag of silkworms in his <laughs> what the fuck was that yes and now this these silkworms are going to make their fortune it when i was when my kids were little i used to love them writing stories right I used to always like they would tell me these stories and I would write it down and then we'd make these little books of their stories and it, it felt kind of like that like that your little kid is saying and then and then and then, and then she had to go see the baby and then the baby was gone and then after that she ran down the stairs and 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 um and then the guy was there with a knife it felt kind of like that <laughs> It's like one of those infomercial infomercials where they're like, "Wait, there's more." Yes, wait. Maybe I and should then the rating. Yes. So, so seven is because the writing, the writing style was all right, and the setting, even the setting of Malta, which is a place that I've always sort of been fascinated with, and I don't know anything about. Um, I, I love that. So a good setting will hook me in, um, almost as much as the story. You have to have a fantastic story if your setting sucks. Your story has to be phenomenal because I. I I will, I will stay with a not great story if the setting intrigues me. So I don't know if anybody else does this. When I'm reading like historical fiction and things like this, particularly, I read a book. I can't remember the name of it. I read it recently. Um, it was set in like Europe, Italy, Venice, sort of all over there in, in yeah, like older times. And there was art mentioned and things like that. Like I'll be reading along at like two o'clock in the morning going, what the hell does that look like? And and Googling, you know, the Palazzo, da, 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 da. Oh man, that's beautiful. I could yes, totally, yes. like, I totally do that. And it, this is why it takes me a long time to read books because I'm constantly researching the places where they are and go, oh yeah, that looks really nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I do that. I do that too. Yeah. I, I wrote do down the Yiddish words. Okay. <laughs> I like made a little list of words that <laughs> I was like, that's what that means. And I wrote down like what I thought the phonetics were and, and stuff which like that. One, I, which ones did you tell me, which ones did you like? Uh, all, well, all of them. I mean that they they all just kind of speak to me in the moment. I'm like, okay, where's my pen and paper? Um, I should have got that book out. Where the fuck is that book? Um, Cause I, I listened to the audio book, right? Okay. Oh, right. I, okay. I listened. So I'd have to pull out my little notebook and, yeah. uh, and write it down. Yes. Um, yes. But yeah, I, that was one of my favorite parts was, again, it because it, it spoke to the character for me. I could almost hear the what she was thinking I, or felt what she was thinking um, and how she went back and forth between using Yiddish and using English. Mm -hmm. um, it, it, and that really spoke again to kind of her, it, it being such a, an important part of who she was and why she felt you know betrayed as well by people who are supposed to be her leaders and, and show good examples. Um, and how she was really conflicted about it. So, it, uh, and it, I found that the time she was being more conflicted, there was more Yiddish thrown in there. <laughs> she yeah. related it to things. Yeah. So, who was your favorite character? This book was peopled with some colorful characters. Hannah, the main character, Isaac, her husband, her um, sister. Her sister, the Count of Contest, who the baby was the baby's parents, the baby itself, um, uh, the rabbi, the two evil brothers, Giovanna, the wet nurse. I want to smack her. <laughs> she was horrible. 
She was horrible. Yes. Well, there, and I mean, so, okay. So to answer that question, my, I would go with Hannah and her sister. Mm -hmm. I, I liked that dynamic between them. The, the struggle between faiths, the, the bond between sisters, um, mm -hmm. you know, the struggle to survive in 1575 as a woman with no husband and no prospects and how, how she managed to come out on top basically mm -hmm. for lack of a better word. Um, and I thought I, I liked, I liked that. Like there was that little interaction with them initially in the Palazzo where they met up after the birth and then that, you know, what do I do? Where do I go? How can I be safe? I'm going to my sister and her knowing that, you know, her sister would take her in, even though she was like, ah, look what you got yourself into. Um, that connection between the two. That's why I was very disappointed the way that sort of section of the book ended. Um, I really didn't want that to happen that way. And, and that really pissed me off but I like those two together. Carissa, who was your favorite character? It would be Hannah for sure, but Hannah and the baby. Mateo. You know, she, the spoiler, Mateo, yeah, the spoiler alert again, but she couldn't have a baby. She had tried to have a baby. And so this love for this child that wasn't hers, that she had seen into the world, that she wanted to protect with everything, found a way to feed this baby in a time where there wasn't food anywhere. Um, you know, on the boat, when she found someone to feed the baby and um yeah i think i think hannah and the baby cool yeah for me it was the sister hands down um like leaving her faith making things work for her being really wily and aware and smart and yeah i thought that she was just an amazing character the and again i was also disappointed with how her character ended in the book because um, I would have loved to have seen that almost be the, I, I guess, along the lines of Frozen, I would have loved to have seen that the relationship that was really the, the act of love. But it was an act of love. Like there was so much love and complicated um, misunderstanding between the two of them. And yet the bond was still there. So She died for her sister, essentially, right? She threw yeah. herself in that position to protect her sister and that baby. Yeah. That's right. Even though she had no interest in like that baby, you know what I mean? Yeah. She, if this is what her sister was important to her sister, despite all the things that separated them in belief systems and everything, she was committed to doing the right thing and, and by her sister. And it wasn't just that her, Jessica, the sister is my favorite character also. Um, but it wasn't just that they had different belief systems. Jessica was shunned and yeah. Hannah participated in that shunning. Yes. She, yes. She deliberately refused to acknowledge her sister's presence, like she was dead to her because she converted to Christianity, and so she was shunned by the Jewish community, and she was and was living her life with no contact whatsoever. Mm -hmm. Hannah went to her for help out of desperation because she had nothing and nowhere else to go and nobody else to help her. So Jessica had to get over that. She could yeah. easily have said. Well, fuck you i'm dead to you remember goodbye and pushed her out the door but she didn't and they um again they quickly quickly kind of made up and 
and and bonded rebonded and then her sister laid down her life for the sister who would have uh intentionally continued shunning her if this whole incident hadn't happened with the baby so you know i i i i liked her because she seemed fiery and spirited and and i always love female characters who just do their own fucking thing no matter what everybody around them is telling them to yeah telling them who to be she wouldn't be put into that um corner yes tell her who she should be and what she should value um she understood what needed to be valued she understood survival um and she understood valuing herself her time her money like how she did how she chose to show up in the world um and and knew what people wanted she was smart she was a businesswoman and you know who else I women meant nothing a a close second sister asunta i liked oh she's such a bitch (laughs) (laughs) but very often when you read uh historical fiction like this especially uh i'm you know historical fiction can be something that's set in you know like 1895 but this is like 1500s and i have read a couple of books that that have nuns as uh important characters and they're always sort of badass and bitchy mm-hmm. and i have always and during book club like we've read a couple of these books we've always said well, who would you rather be which one of the characters would you rather be in terms of lifestyle and life opportunities and would you rather be a rich married woman would you rather be you know whatever and honest to god being a nun being a nun in those days would afford you so much freedom like sister Santa's like at the slave market bidding on slaves and going back to the convent and running her own shit like that's the oh, and without any male i mean the church of course overarching patriarchal organization but on a day-to-day basis you're doing your own shit you're growing your own food you're deciding when to do vespers and what to do, whatever it is that nuns do. Um, you're managing your own life, basically, and following your calling if that's what you have, like a religious calling. So I, I kind of liked her too. I like, I like that setting of the of the convent, the or the abbey or whatever, wherever it is that they lived. I, I will that. say she was a bit of a twist because yes. I thought you know, she, she tried to convert him. And then you think, oh, well, the nun, well, he's not going to do it. Um, you, I almost expected it to be, oh, I understand there's your strength and faith. I have strengthened my faith too. We'll just keep you here and, you know, we'll hide you because, you know, it's all God and, and blah, blah, blah. And then she's like, oh no, you're not going to convert. Fuck you. See ya. You're going back to the slave market. And I was like, yeah. Wait a minute! What, what the fuck just happened? That's yeah. not that. That's not the. That's not right. It's happy for giving money. Oh yeah, and you're gonna drag the cart because my horse is too. I want to know how she fucking got that cart back. <laughs> she dragged him all the way down there with with him pulling and getting stuck. How did she get the cart back? <laughs> she paid plot she paid. hole. Yeah, yeah, plot hole. Roberta. And, and throughout that entire thing, I'm thinking, how's she going to get this cart back? She's punishing him by taking him in that cart. Is she just going to leave the cart in the market and then walk home? How is she getting this back? Yeah. Well, she's, she's getting another guy. There's lots of 
guys milling around the town square. <laughs> just, just buy another slave and get him to bring it back. Yeah, so something else, a little a oh. duke hat or whatever. Yeah. Who are you? Did you say already your favorite character, Steph? Yeah, the yeah, sister, the sister. Jessica. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. loved her. Yeah, but sister was, in that plot hole, sister Asunta, I, that it didn't feel like a hole to me because you, she also used her like nun status to get shit. You know, like she needed the the five more dukas or whatever, and she she just said, "I need it for the good of the abbey," and like she put that out there to get what she wanted. She yeah. used yeah. her status to do that. So the same thing with the cart. She would have said, the "Who is like bless us." She's a very complicated character, actually, for the small amount of time that that was that she was in it. Um, so let's look at the themes of this. Let's first of all name all the themes that stood out for you in the book, and then we can talk about them individually. So, right. when I first started reading the book, and of course, when we first started reading this book, you know there's a lot going on in our world. Um, when I started reading it, it was like, whoa, there's like a shit ton. This, this whole first part, even it is dripping with racism mm -hmm. and two religions, you know, really fighting against one another. And, and, you know, and of course when they describe where Hannah lives as uh, a Jewish person in the ghetto in like locked away and you know there's no interaction between the two and then you she goes and sees sort of the outside world with you know the christians and their and they have the money and the big house and all of this stuff and it was like that reading that at the, i mean reading that 10 years ago I was like yeah whatever da, 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 that's just the way of the world but reading it now it's like ooh wow, nothing changed. <laughs> like there's still so much of that happening. And I just thought when I started reading that, I'm going, oh, wow, this was a really good book choice <laughs> um, for this time period for here in 2020. Plus the plague is also happening. It was like, oh, fuck, this is what a perfect choice. <laughs> So that that's one or two, I guess, sort of. Anti-Semitism, anti-Semitism. It was dripping with <sighs> so many examples of anti-Semitism. The the belief systems that the Christian characters held, about the like the blood sacrifice or the blood libel business the, with killing Christian babies and and all of that. That was the yes, and the differences in the description between where the Jews lived in the ghetto compared to and all the restrictions. There was curfew and all of that restrictions on their movement where they could go what time they could be here what professions they could hold like absolute restrictions yeah so yeah anti-semitism huge theme what else sexism oh yeah oh, front God. to back front like, to back in both communities in the the rich yes. Christian and the poor jewish community patriarchy the rabbi ruled in the, the what the rabbi said goes and the rabbi is a man and then in the 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 whole inheritance thing producing a male heir it's all patriarchy 
Mm-hmm. Always just producing a male heir, but if you have to save one, literally the disposable life was the wife. Yeah, that was if if you have to save one of them, because nowadays it would be if you have to save one of them, save my wife. You see that in movie themes all the time. Whereas yeah. this one was if you have to save one, you have to save the child. But she was like, Whoa, wait a minute, we're gonna save both. Like mm-hmm. even though he claimed to love her deeply and he all of his actions other than that one showed a deep love for him. But his love of what his family had built, the empire or whatever it was, still trumped. At the end of the day, watching that fall to his brothers was more important to him than his wife's life. Mm-hmm. So that is really, that's, it doesn't matter how much he, he loves her and fought for her and went to get a midwife and all that shit. At the end of the day, keeping it was the- was to save that baby. baby. Yeah. Not to save wife. that baby, oh, not to care yeah. for the baby. But yeah. so that he could have everything stay the same. Yeah. What were, were you going to say something, Carissa? Oh, just that, that the baby ended up meaning really nothing because they left the baby, and it, it was that was just a means to an end to get that money, which again meant nothing because they died of the pike. You know what I mean? So it, yeah, that's all. Yes. It didn't mean nothing, and that again, how clueless was he to other things that we mentioned before? Um, that he was to take his wife who had been so ill she was still expected to accompany him and leave the baby behind and to have a dinner party of consumption or tuberculosis or something yeah Yeah. she wasn't recovering well from that birth at all probably septic or septic or whatever yeah i mean i i when i was reading i'm like oh god like she needs a blood transfusion she was sick before though he did say that oh which okay I actually wondered if the brothers were poisoning her. If it wasn't oh. just necessarily this, but they were, they had engaged in something that to poison her regularly to get her to lose babies, for babies to die, oh. to keep her sick so that she couldn't produce an heir. Because they were so intertwined. They were there in the house. Yeah, that's true. Why is it that in these sort of, when we write about, when we write, people write historical fiction, there's always some woman who's consumptive frail pale coughing up blood always with a delicate coughing with blood on the handkerchief right there was that scene in the dining room where she coughed and and it's always like that always so i i couldn't remember because this was the second time i read this book also but i couldn't remember did she die in childbirth because she surely seems like she should yeah two days of of hardcore labor with what the frig so there's the other theme is birth yes But I thought that birth would actually have been a bigger theme in the book than it really was. That's what I was hoping for when I picked the book up, but it was not. And they made such a big deal of these birthing spoons, but she only used them once. And I'm like- They allude to them quite a bit, that she was magical. No one knows about the birthing spoons except for her and the rabbi. Yeah. But they allude to, she has a a reputation for, for helping people through major births, not knowing that these are birthing spoons. It's not magic, but no one's saying what they what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she, said, she yeah. actually says there is a magic in my hands, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a part of the book near the beginning where she's talking about another midwife. I think she was at the birth and she the woman was pulling, I'm, this is a big, probably spoiler too, but pulling body parts out of this woman. Oh my goodness. <laughs> oh my yeah. God, I am so into this book now. You know, that was... That was a crazy thing to read. And the thought that 
we live in a time where birth is obviously so much different and even a hundred years ago, but never mind hundreds of years ago, the babies rarely would survive and that someone would have to remove a baby to get it out and would the baby mother survive? And the visual was very cool, scary, creepy. She was very good at those, at writing those sort of the birth scene scenes yeah yeah and it's i think it was very good because we, we know birth yes the fact that we think it was a very good birth scene that's uh, that's to say something yes did anybody did anybody try to like diagnose why this baby was coming like what did she say did she do did she say specifically no the baby was the baby was transverse or the baby was no. did she say specifically the baby was transverse I think she thought that the baby was sideways. Yeah, that she she could feel the or an asynclitic head. I, or I I I pictured asynclitic. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm thinking. That that's what it was because she was able to manually maneuver the baby from like this to this or something. Yeah, um, she was worried about feeling an elbow and she was worried about feeling like a knee or something like that. But when she got up there, she she believed that the baby was his head was like tilted. So crazy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and um, and I would have liked to have seen these birthing spoons. Yeah, like I, I, in my head, I have an image of what they look like, um, but I don't. And for some reason, they're golden. What did she say she made them out of? Soup ladles. Silver. 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 Yeah. Well, well they, she originally did, but didn't she have them made? Yes, she, did. she, she... made from something, though, right? No, I think she had them, like she had the idea and showed she designed them. designed the, them. Yeah, the oh, right. metalsmith. She had the metalsmith make them look like like shallower soup spoons. Yes. Um, yeah. To cup the baby's head. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I literally envisioned like salad a very tongs. large spoon-like salad tongs yeah, put yeah, together. Yeah. yeah. Which is, yeah, those are forceps. Um, I, I must admit that I was as good as the story was that I was hoping for a little more birthy stuff. I yeah. thought that what would happen is that she would have to stand trial for yes. either the crime of attending a Christian woman or being like, they kept alluding to witchcraft and her witch's tools. And I thought, Oh, she's going to have to stand trial. The inquisition that she's going to have to answer in a court for her use of these things and for leaving the ghetto past curfew and being in a, you know, a place where she wasn't supposed to be. And none of that, none of that happened. It just no. was blasphemy, the things that she was doing. But I think it didn't happen. And then book Roberta saved it by saying that the plague came. Uh, so the world was falling apart. Yeah. So it wasn't as much of that. That feels familiar. Yeah. <laughs> How appropriate. Yeah. How appropriate. What other themes are there? Classism. Anti-Semitism, birth classism. Holy uh, shit! Yeah, so much classism. Um, yeah, from beginning to end. Yes, even with Isaac with with Hannah, like with when she was on the were, boat as well. Boat, yeah, coming over. How about the part where Isaac could write and nobody else couldn't? So he was writing letters yeah. to people because he could write and nobody else couldn't. I don't know what theme that is, but I mean, it's literacy. Literacy, so that's yeah. A, that's a, interesting because Isaac was a Jew, is a Jewish man, and um, yeah, I, I, and the people who were around him were Gentiles, 
and they couldn't read. Yeah. I don't know I how just, that works. Can I just read something about, and this actually plays into it because this was something that he had to write when he was in the square for mm -hmm. the people. And I picked it out because it kind of made me laugh when I read it. Mm -hmm. um, let's see, where do I start? Uh, Isaac had drafted several contracts for purchase and sale of sows. He had copied out recipes for head cheese, roast suckling pig, and a stew called Trumpo made of pig snout and rutabagas. <laughs> the very thought of the dish made him bilious. Making <laughs> him bilious. Not, not, not nauseous. Eating Trump stew. Made with pig snout and rutabagas. How appropriate. Yeah. Yeah. And this was written like when? <laughs> like 20 years ago. God, I so thought that was hilarious. So much foreshadowing. Also, another, the theme of religion. Religion is a big, yep. not yeah. just the anti Semitic part of it, but religion itself and uh, the use of the good luck amulet and yeah. the Virgin, the statues that are there. I mean, Venice is in Italy, and it's, that's a Catholic country, and and all of that. So that was that was a heavy presence of religion, both religions, Judaism and Catholicism, both of them sort of interwoven. Yeah, yeah. It was interesting for them to touch on like parts of being married as a Jewish couple. So, yeah. you know, that Isaac can't touch her when she has her, her courses and the, the phrases and everything that they use for, you know, different bodily functions. Um, but yes, when she was having her courses and it's like, wow, like I, I hadn't heard it referred to as courses before. I think I wrote that one down too. What? You really, you haven't? Oh, I've heard lots of times I've heard yeah, it. Yeah, I've heard that. I've heard her flow and her, your, your bleeding time. And but I don't think I'd your ever menses. heard of it as your, your menses. But I don't think I'd ever heard of the courses. So, um, not curses, courses. courses. Yeah, a little bit it's, of a. It, that's a very European way of saying it. Back then, I've heard that. I read a lot and, of historical fiction too. And that they touched on that he always brings her to climax first before climaxing himself. I'm like, well, there's a piece of information. Well, no wonder she's spending 200 ducats and traveling across the sea to get him back. That man we want. That man. Right. Yeah. I think a very considerate lover. <laughs> and I wonder if that simply, they brought it up because maybe that wasn't a thing back then. If sex was primarily just for make a baby and it wasn't supposed to be about the enjoyment part of it, then that had to be an important piece of information about his character or how they chose to live their lives as a married couple. And I mean, I don't want to generalize because I don't know if Roberta Rich um, uh, is a Jewish woman or what, like, I don't want to make, but I was going to say, have you read, have you seen, also, I don't want to say that this TV show, like on Netflix, there was a show called Unorthodox. Did anybody watch that? And that yeah. gave me a really deep insight into the lives of Hasidic Jews living in uh, Williamsburg, in uh, like a, a community in New York City. And I mean, this, this is like, Hasidic, so ultra orthodox Judaism, which seems yes. to me the kind of Judaism that the people in the novel would be practicing, uh, not Reform Judaism, where it's just okay, you don't have to do all of this stuff. But the very, very uh, regimented and ceremonial is how it was portrayed on the TV show, and sort of, and she alludes to that 
in the book. Um, so it speaks about, yes, during her courses, her husband, the husband is not like, there's no sexual relations and they sleep apart. And then once your period is finished, you have to do a ritual cleansing thing. Mm-hmm purify yourself again before you can lay with your husband once more and so yes the ultimate uh, goal is procreation but i do think that pleasure is allowed if you're and then it's up to like if you picked a nice guy who cares about that for you was that to make us like him more because they did encourage the fact that he was a good lover that he was he loved her even though she couldn't produce a child that yeah you know. Yes, he refused to divorce her, even though the rabbi came to him mm-hmm. about it. That rabbi was a dick. And, and I mean, I th- yeah, he was a dick. I mean, it makes you it makes you understand, I guess, better why she was making such a big deal about going to to rescue him and pay for his um, pay for his freedom. I mean, if yeah. he was an asshole, she'd be like, "See you, buddy." Bye. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if I really liked my husband, I probably would do the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> Not the husband that I had in my life. Another different husband. Maybe my next husband. If you had an Isaac. Yeah, if I had an Isaac in my life, then I'd probably. No, because if I had an Isaac in my life and he pissed off after, you know, leaving me alone, I'd be like, yeah, fuck you, buddy. Like, but didn't sorry. he go traveling to make money? Like to try True. to work. Yeah, I guess. Well, he didn't go <laughs> piss off to uh, reflect on his inner like contemplate him, his navel on a mountaintop or something, which I've heard some men in history, they leave the, the woman and the children to fend for themselves so that they could go find themselves somewhere on a mountaintop. Yeah. No, no, but she also didn't agree. Like, she, yeah, no. Like, yeah, as a couple, this was not a- He did not a, take her thoughts into, into account. No. No. Which in those days- He didn't have to. Like she, she probably wasn't as affronted by that the way, you know, like we are. We are. Yeah, I don't want you to go. Don't so go. Not to go. But in those days, if the guy says, I'm going, then you're like, okay, I don't want you to go, but okay. That, that to me seems like, and wow. in other ways, if he's a really good guy, I say this in my classes sometimes too, when I, when I, I say to the, um, the people in the class who are not pregnant, who happen to be the biological fathers of the babies in the bellies. Uh-oh. You, I said, you guys are more involved in your kid's life already than your father was in your life. And, and, and 20 times more involved than your grandpa was in your dad's life. That the description for being a good husband, a good partner, and a good father these days is way different from you know, generations past where you didn't beat the woman and you supported her adequately. And if you had other women, just don't flaunt them in her face. Keep, be, keep them secret. You were a good husband. Like that was a criteria. Don't flaunt your women in her face, support her and the children. Don't beat them up yeah. too much. <laughs> I, I read a book where that was like one of the themes. I can't remember what it was. But that was yeah. one one of the main women, one of the main matriarchs in the book was like the daughter couldn't understand, not her daughter, but like the the younger woman couldn't understand. She's like, honey, he doesn't beat me. He doesn't flaunt that in my face. I got this beautiful house. I got this beautiful car and I've got spending money out the wazoo. So I'm just going to let Everybody's that go. Everybody's frozen for me. What's happening? Oh, uh, oh. 
Hello? You're frozen for us, so. <laughs> can you hear me? Can you I don't think she can. Oh, everybody was frozen for a second. Yeah. Mm. So yeah. We were speaking to sexism and stuff there, but there's this one line from her sister when her sister really drove that home. And she said to her, you are ruled by men, the rabbi, Isaac, and our father when he was alive. You are a little ghetto mouse and will never be anything else. I tell you, that would have killed me if my sister said some shit yeah. like that. But Good. you know that was pain. And that's what she felt about herself before she basically left and was shunned. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But she was under the thumb of this belief system about women and men. Mm-hmm. And even she got away, she left the ghetto and she, she decided that she didn't want to be a ghetto mouse. But what options do you have in those days? Like as a, a woman, you can't like set up shop in your own, you know, in, in your own right and own your own business or, or strike out in the world to be an adventurer or a merchant or anything. So what do you do? You do sex work. Yep. That's what women have always had. And, and that's what I totally respect that 100% because she chose to live her life on her own terms yeah. and with, with the options that she had in 1575. Yeah. Yep. But it sounded like she was having fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah like she, she enjoyed the freedom yeah. and yeah. she, and the way she talked about it too, she was in control Yeah. Of, yeah. you know, those men weren't using her. She was using them. Right. They were clients and they were, she was, this yep. is what she did. So they were a tool to make, to, to keep her independence intact. Right. Yeah. And I think that's why I liked her so much is that she was, she was strong and she was powerful in her own right. And to have died that way, very stupidly um, and needlessly was like, you just took an amazing yeah character that could have been developed into so much more and that relationship could have been developed into so much more i mean they could have gone together to go rescue isaac and whatnot and lived in malta together as a family and like that's where my head was going with it and then it's like there she is on the floor with blood pouring out of her head i'm like what the fuck yeah that's the end of that all the characters except for hannah and isaac we're like background filler, it feels like. Yes. Yeah. yeah. All of those characters. To move the story them. along. Mm -hmm. Yes. So yeah. it didn't matter if they died, disappeared, or whatever. Or disappeared yeah. and died. Yeah. Because at the end of the story, it was just Hannah and Isaac and baby Mateo waiting for his next bottle of goat milk. Oh, so PAP. Does anyone know what the hell PAP was made of? I looked it up. It was, I think, like milk and bread. Yeah. It was in gruel that they would give to the baby. And I think they used whatever they had to thicken, to thicken it up, to thicken it up. Yeah, I was trying to figure out, is that, I don't know, I thought when she said PAP, I thought like pablum. Like remember in the 70s when people would, yeah, like put some sort of cereal flake or some sort of yeah. like a flour in the, yes. the milk to make it some thicker. Kind of starch. Some kind of starch. Probably. But I also suspect too ah. that what was going to be available to her without that goat, it would have been sort of that starch and water. 
as opposed yeah. to milk. Because ah. if it had been milk, it likely would have been a better option. It, right. I actually just looked it up. It says pop was an old unwholesome thin mixture of bread and liquid boiled to a pulpy texture. Cleaning yeah. cups and pot feeders was almost impossible. Uh, babies would get bacteria and yeah, kill them. And, and I found something that said sometimes, so it's like water with like flour or something or bread and sometimes beefed up with sugar, beer, wine, meat, broth. Jesus, no wonder babies died. Yeah, in the case of fussy and disruptive babies, opium. Disruptive babies. Well, opium. You know those fucking disruptive babies who are constantly rioting in the house? Just grind up some poppies <laughs> oh, yeah. and let's let's keep them quiet. So this actually looks like it would be an interesting thing to look into. This is from the National, Ge Ge National Geographic and the History of Baby Food. That sounds like it would be an interesting article to read. Ooh. So it was a slurry. Pap was a slurry of bread or flour in mixed with water. Gross. Yeah, no. No wonder. No wonder the fields, the 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 cemeteries were filled with babies that grew yeah. up on Pap. Yeah. 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 Um, Easy. Any other themes anybody can think of? Or is that all? There was love. I had birth, midwifery, sisters, romantic love, anti-Semitism, religion, patriarchy. Yeah, that's good. Um, there was a little bit of conversation about Pardon? Sorry. Sorry, Carissa? Oh, the conversation about the circumcision. Ah, yes. We're talking about whether he was circumcised or not, and that she wasn't going to worry about the fact that he wasn't. And then she was worried that Isaac wouldn't accept the fact that he wasn't circumcised. Was that? Yeah. That was yes. Part of that faith-based stuff. Yeah. Yes. But I mean, nobody's born circumcised. So yeah. that didn't make sense to me. So, no, but in the Jewish faith, it has to happen within day seven. Yeah. And then, and then it's, it's, because that's not true because people convert to Judaism and then they'll get have circumcision happen then. So he would first have to accept the baby was a born Gentile and then sort of bring the baby to the, the Judea, Ju, Jewish faith. So her worrying about, Oh, is Isaac going to accept him? Cause he's not circumcised. It's stupid because nobody's born circumcised. No, that's true. And they could, you could get circumcised at any time. So first he would have to, I mean, if he was going to reject the baby, it would be because, the baby <laughs> she froze again when, when she starts getting animated she starts yeah. to freeze um i i'm gonna she'll probably jump in at some point but i'm gonna state though that in 1575 when you're talking about you know uh orthodox judaism like deep-rooted orthodox judaism yeah there's a very good chance because that baby was not circumcised on day seven, that he would reject it. So yes, nowadays, yeah, you can get circumcised at any time, whatever. But back then, I mean, there's it's ceremonial. There's so much involved and things like that. So I could very well see that at that time. Um, but um, I, yeah, think, they, they, I think saying that it didn't matter. Yeah, I think saying that it didn't matter, I think is not... It's, it wouldn't matter now, but it absolutely would have mattered back then. Yeah. I think if they were trying to pass him off as theirs in a Jewish community, even if they moved, I mean, I, I assume a lot of people would assume he was uh, circumcised, but he, if he, someone else happened to see the baby being 
changed or something like that, or they engaged assistance with the baby, then someone would say, well, why wasn't he yeah. circumcised on the eighth day? Um, but, uh, and that would be a concern for them. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, like, literally, they were going to tell if this baby was Jewish or not by unwrapping him when, when yeah. they were at Jessica's house. That's and what the, the legal guard had come to do. And yeah. is that baby theirs? And if it's yeah. not theirs. And if he's not circumcised, then we have reason to believe that he actually was belonged to the Christian. Stolen. Yep. Yeah. Stolen by a Jewish baby. family steals a Christian baby. Whoa. Motherfucker. That would not have. Yeah, that would not have gone well. Did we fully lose Suzanne? I think uh, yeah, she's lost. trying to get back in, but I think, oh, here she is. Okay. Here she goes. All right. So we're, we're what, like, we're over an hour now. Are we really? Yeah. Well, it's 1130. Hey. Lord. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm afraid of with my classes. Yeah. I think that I'm going to have to switch back to Bell. I didn't have any problems when I was with Bell. Who are you oh, with? Are you with, are you with Rogers? Fido. Which is oh. yeah. yeah. Because they gave me a good deal because that's where my phones are, my cell phones are with. So anyway. Nice. Well, I don't know what you guys did after while I was gone for two minutes. Well, I had just said that, you know, it may not matter, you know, if he's not circumcised you know, in the very beginning nowadays, but back in 1575, that would have been a really big ass deal. Mm -hmm. um, and I yeah, think- They were trying to pass him off as theirs. Yeah. And, yeah. and without so it getting done, it um, you know, we were saying, you know, could very well be that, you know, they could be construed that these Jews had kidnapped a Christian baby um, yes. if it's discovered that way. Yeah. True, true, true. Well, then the last question that I had was, um, is there anything from this book that you can take to apply to your life and or your doula work? For my doula work? Say that again. Is there anything from this book that you can take to apply to your life and or your doula work? Gratitude. Like, really ending finishing that book and viewing what women went through prior to the days we are in now um and you know it's still far from perfect now but it's not the physical work that it was before to just wonder if you can walk out your fucking door and you know without first of all people knowing treating you like shit like literally when she, as soon as she crossed a, a boundary she was treated like ultimate shit so my sense of gratitude for the life that i have today was certainly it left me very humbled on the yes. other side and so we should have hospitals a lot but praise the lord for hospitals <laughs> and clean <laughs> right? and sanitation sanitization and good nutrition the idea of giving birth in 1575 in an opulent bedroom in a big bed with curtains a four poster bed with curtains all around it is like sounds like hell <laughs> so yes praise the lord for medical advancement so gratitude yes anything else anybody 
When you when you have a good man, hang on to him and cross the ocean for that bitch. <laughs> Spend two hundred ducats. Spend all the ducats you have to get that bitch back. There is the element of the love story that, you know, as much as I hate to say it, because that's really not me, but yeah, loved the love story. I love yeah. the idea of that true love that you will do anything to get back to each other. You'll do anything for each other. All you want is that end goal. So that was pretty nice. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't even a question for her. No. That's just what she was going to do. And that was it. Yeah. 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 And the anti-Semitism is real and we all, we need to still stand up and, and shout against it from, absolutely. I mean, we don't have like official segregation and all that for anybody, but still but there. Anti-Semitism is fucking still real and present in this, in this world. Yep. Yeah. Story. Mm -hmm. And, and really, I mean, I think the book showed that, you know, really when it all comes right down to it we all have the same human wants and needs and, you know, love of family, love of partner, love of children. You know, it doesn't matter what our religion is. It doesn't matter what color we are. It doesn't matter about anything that, you know, humanly constructed divides us. We are all the same. Yeah. It really does reaffirm that. I love that. Kim, yeah. it's true because all the characters in the book, regardless of where they come from, whether they lived in a in a in a in a fancy palazzo or they lived in a, a hovel in the ghetto, they needed the the rich the rich rich Christian powerful people had to go to the ghetto to get the one person who was going to help them do something that is so basic and so primal, birth a baby, and so all the lines and all the boundaries obviously mean nothing at the end of the yep. day that they're all made up yeah. and um we only do them to keep to keep people want. down and keep us up yes. like keep ourselves intact keep the status quo yeah that the powerful will always the powerful will always try and keep the weak down yeah and yeah. that has to change because it when all is said and done it doesn't matter how powerful you are it doesn't matter how weak you are we are all human beings yep. and how many of us have doulas have gone to, I, I remember one of the fanciest clients I've ever had in a fancy, fancy house that and I think they were politicians or something. I can't remember, but this, these people were rich, fancy people. And this woman was terrified to pick up the baby, pick up her baby. And I came to tell her it's okay that the baby moves in his sleep. You know, sometimes when babies are sleeping and they kind of jerk a little bit or they, they move, they might move like one foot kind of a little bit like three times rhythmically. And she was so scared about something so simple and so basic. And she needed me to reassure her that everything was okay. All her money, all her education, all their status meant nothing at the end of the day that we were just two mothers talking about, our fears and anxieties about the thing that has persisted since day one, having babies and the perpetuation of this human species of ours, that that's all of it is all, everything else is all made up. Everything else is made up. And that we aren't meant to do it alone. Yes. Yes. There's always benefit in having a wise support whether it's specific support, like helping you get a latch or someone to just sit with you and listen while you explain all mm -hmm. these thoughts that go through your mind with this little person in front of you. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. I mean, that just I think- reminded me too of the, the ridiculousness of them leaving the baby, the parents leaving the baby. Because you can't get he, over that. <laughs> I can't get over that. Because they, there was one point where when Letitia, Letitia, she was supposed to Lu- be Lucia. Lucia. No. Lucia. Lucia. It's L U C I A, isn't it? Is it? Lucia. Lucia. Whatever. The mother, the one with TB, her, she, she, he wanted her, the father wanted her to nurse the baby because he was trying to keep the baby safe. So the baby would always be with her. But, but Giovanna, the, the nurse was also, because she didn't have enough milk because she was so sick. Yes. So secretly Giovanna was, remember Hannah realized, oh, Giovanna must be nursing the baby. So that's good. That's why he's so plump. Because clearly Lucia or whatever her name is, doesn't have enough milk. So he was so paranoid about keeping the baby safe that he wanted this sickly, frail woman to continue nursing the baby. But then they left him. Yeah. That didn't like yeah. That was either. the last time saying about that, but I just thought that was stupid. Yeah. And he was, he was like really into that, you know, you've got to, you've got to feed the baby. And yeah. then the midwife's like, how is this weak ass woman feeding this yes. baby? And then yes. Giovanna walks in and she's like, oh yeah, that's how it goes. So that, so there's another sort of theme is women hiding things from men, like to, yes. to get, get along and do what they need to do. You know what we didn't talk done. about was the pebble. Yes. The pebble. Oh, all right. Yeah, I'm like, how is that going to work? That <laughs> blew my mind. I, I know. never heard of that one. I'm like, that woman within two weeks is going to be dead of a giant massive infection. So, so for people who are listening and didn't read the story, um, during the voyage from Venice to Malta, when Hannah and the baby are going to Malta to rescue Isaac, uh, there she meets a, a rich Turkish woman who is- Who was Muslim? Yes. Yes. yes, Ottoman Empire. Yeah, that. Yeah. So, who was able to lend her wet nurse to Hannah to in order to keep Matteo alive? And in exchange for the use of the wet nurse, Hannah told her that she knew a way to keep her birth control, really, to keep her from having babies, which is which was a sin. It was probably illegal and whatever. And the method that she used was she found a little small pebble on the deck of the ship. Which I was like, really? There's You're on a ship. Ship? Did that she come from? Just, and wow. it said that it wasn't hard. It wasn't hard to find it. There was a, lots of pebbles lodged within. And I'm like, no, because when they swab the decks, don't they like get all the pebbles off the deck? 1575. They probably didn't wash shit. Exactly. Oh, yeah, that's like, true. The water <laughs> they're using is not like coming out of the tap. It's it's just nasty old water in a barrel or something. And uh, and she took the pebble and she rubbed it in oil because oil is supposed to clean everything. Right? I lit that shit on fire first almond oil. before you did yeah. that. She rubbed it in almond oil and inserted it. So she found the perfect size pebble, inserted it into her cervix, Barrier into the womb. Like, isn't I envisioned it? I envisioned it went through the cervix and sat on top Mm. at the top of the cervix. Yeah. Either way, on a moving on a moving ship. On a moving ship in the bowels of the moving ship. With all people all around, and that was supposed to be. um, And then she and then she just that was supposed to be hygienic and keep you alive. (laughs) 
And then she said, oh, you know what? I'm still enjoying my husband, but I'm still getting my monthly courses, meaning that she's not getting pregnant. So it's working. And that's great. Thank you. I'm like, yeah, check back with me in a month, sister. Yeah, because <laughs> we'll you'll be dead in a month. Dead. Your, your uterus is going to rot. <laughs> yeah, you've You're not going to get pregnant again. It's not supposed to be that. Like I get, you know, IUD. It's basically, it was an IUD. I suppose so. Yes, I, I don't know. Hannah I don't didn't know. even know how it worked. She had heard that that's how Bedouins did it to camels. She took a massive risk doing that. That Huge. woman could have died on that ship yes. on the way over. Yeah. Because, and then I wanted to look at a map. How far is Venice from Malta? Not that far. But she made it sound like it was months and months because she said. Because it probably was. It, it pro I mean, yeah. Months. Ships are not fast. I know, but from Venice to Malta, I don't know if it's how, how long that would take for her to have been able to see that oh, see, I'm still having sex with my husband and I'm not getting pregnant because I'm still getting my period. She made it seem like it was months. She probably rendered this poor woman infertile now. Yes. <laughs> Completely. Yeah, you're not going to have any more babies because your uterus is just going to rot inside and of you. Fall and fall out. out. Enjoy. <laughs> there you go. Enjoy your, enjoyed your uterine prolapse. Yeah. Oh, my God. So, yeah, thanks for bringing that one up because that, that stuck in my head. Me too. <laughs> Oh my God, I'm just cringing right now. My cervix is yeah. like I know. pulling right up inside of me. Yeah. Mm. yeah. yeah. And I, I have a great visual of this woman too. It's that like the way she talks about her husband wanting her and wanting to, you know, him wanting to be with her and stuff like this. And it's, and it, it's, it's just so said so casually. And yeah, um, and then Hannah looks at him and she goes, yeah, sure, I can see that. He was corpulent to have like a fleshy lower lip. <laughs> 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 That's the kind of man who will chase you around the kitchen table. Yeah, <laughs> I just I just envisioned those two as being like her being very, having had, you know, these babies being very round and curvaceous and voluptuous, yeah. you know, with a yeah. tummy and, mm -hmm. but her husband was like, yeah you are like look at you all yes. woman i want you right yeah yeah like he would slap her on the ass and everything yes he would and he would just love that yes, yes. that's the way i like it exactly <laughs> no, God that a friend of mine has this exact experience i came to see her when she had just had her third child and she had her kids close together like within a year or two together so she's on her third kid. I think there's, so now she had three under, under five years old. And I walked in and the baby's like six months old and she's breastfeeding on the couch. And I walked in and I remember looking at her going, cause she was glowing. She was literally breastfeeding, bodacious, round, soft, smiling. When I walked in the door, nursing this baby, I'm like, you're fucking pregnant. She's like, no, I'm like, he's been after you. You've been happy. And she's smiling and giggling. I'm like, you're pregnant. She's like, I not pregnant three weeks fucking later hey, man. <laughs> she, she now. um and yeah as she i'm like what is going on she's like he just loves me after i have a baby I, it's like i am some sort of beautiful temple and he has to touch me all the time like that's fucking awesome you know what i want a man that like looks at me and goes oh, look at you round big I, ass I, I, belly I 
stop that. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yes. I I want a man like that. He and he is Listen. her husband is one of those tall, slim, fit fellows who hasn't changed body size or type since he was like 21 and filled out. And she, her body is, he, he's like, it's, your body is constantly changing and he fucking loves it. Like he just loves everything about her constantly changing body and the things it does. That's a man, that's a man that appreciates what a woman's body can do, that it isn't just there to look at and for your personal pleasure. It's like, shit, woman, look what you, look what you've done. Look what you have accomplished. Do with her body and what she can make. Yeah. That's huge. Yeah. Can I, can I throw some cold water on this lovely romantic? Sure. Oh, look. I, I know for a fact this is never going to happen for me, so I'm enjoying my singlehood, but I'll just throw some, nice? I had a husband like that. That was not one of my our issues, <laughs> but we had a whole shit ton of other issues. My okay. husband like that, always after me, always. He is the kind of guy who'd walk past you and grab your ass and say, oh my God. You know, that's how he was constantly like that. And the the more fat I had on my body, the more he was like he loved loved that and what did seem to be in awe of my ability to be pregnant and have babies and all of that but he was an asshole in every other way yeah so, so all right so it's 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 uh it doesn't it does make a, it doesn't make everything yeah no, okay so everything. so we we have to we have to clarify that we want that Plus he's, plus he's a really nice guy that washes the dishes. And <laughs> don't be a douche. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and don't be. Yeah. 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 Cool. Oh, well, this was nice. I liked yeah. this. We could yeah. do this again. Yeah. Another- so we're we're gonna choose another book, right? Yeah. Not not write this second. We don't, no, we don't know. We don't know what that book will be now. If you have, well, we will ideas, take suggestions. Yeah. Okay, we'll take- Suggestions. The birth, so, the birth yard. What is that? It's called The Birth Yard by Mallory Tater. Is it fiction? Uh, yes. Okay. <laughs> you don't sound okay. fully confident in that yet, <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I haven't read it all yet. I just. I literally just picked it up. She's a Canadian author okay. from Calgary, and it kind of reminds me so far. And what I've read a little bit about it reminds me of Handmaid's Tale. Ah, oh, I yeah. was gonna say the Handmaid's Tale we could do because that's that's yeah I haven't read that. So yeah, we can look into this one no. and see what we think. But mm. anyway. actually, I thought maybe we could also end on a little bit of information about the author of the awesome book that we. Oh yes, Roberta here. Rich, who we're Roberta not sure if she's Rich. even Jewish. Um, <laughs> I did read here. Where is it? She was born in New York, in Buffalo, New York. Um, January 9th. Here, I'll just read a little bit that she wrote about herself. I was born January 9th. Not the best time to be born in, if your birthplace happens to be the buckle of the snow belt, Buffalo, New York. Buffalo remained my home until I struck out on my own and managed to get 73 miles down the New York State Freeway to Rochester. My life took a turn for the better, better climate, better opportunities. Writers of a certain vintage always seem to boast the variety of interesting jobs they held before settling down to write. Jobs like fire breather on the Reforma in Mexico City or turkey plucker. I have not done anything so exotic. Moving from present to past, I have been a divorce lawyer, student, waitress, nurse's aide, hospital admitting clerk, factory assembly line worker, and child. I live now in Vancouver, BC, 
and in Colima, Mexico. I have one husband, one daughter, three stepchildren, a German shepherd, a tropical fish, and many oversexed parakeets. When in Mexico, I nurture my husband and my vanilla vines. When in Vancouver, I just try to keep dry. So she left the state for Canada. Okay. Did, it say, did it say what year she was born, or is that something she doesn't want anybody to know? She's vintage. She's That's what I want to know. What, how vintage is vintage? I'm, I'm looking at her saying 60. I was. I saw her picture, and I thought 60. 60-ish, yeah. This is written in 2013, I think, right? 2011. Oh, 2011, okay. So. Yeah. All right. That's cool. Cool. Okie dokie. All right. So yeah, so we will we will do this again. This was fun and we will choose it a was. I love book. it. I enjoyed I it very it. much. But it won't be won't be next month. It'll be the month after. Yeah, so we'll try to have a, a book recommendation by next week so that we can give people a good as much of the two months time yep. to read as possible. I need time. I'm a very slow reader. And so we'll keep that birthyard in. I'll look into it. We'll keep that one in mind, Carissa. Thanks for this. Yeah. Thanks for the suggestion. All right. So thank you so much for listening. We love you. You're awesome. You're awesome. Wash your hands. Wear your mask. Don't be an asshole. Yeah. That's pretty much it. And that's pretty much it. Behave yourselves. Have manners. Okay. Awesome. Thank you. Okay, thanks for coming, Carissa. Thank you for having me. All right. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.